Well, thank you so much for being here today, and I really appreciate everyone joining us, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. Would you take your Bibles with me and turn to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, The Swinging Pendulum. The Swinging Pendulum. Most kids love the swing set, and uh, I remember growing up, I loved the swing I enjoyed the slide, but the swing was just so much more fun. Um, I remember learning how to pump and my dad teaching me that and and going through those uh, processes and really trying to get as high as you possibly could. I learned uh, pretty early on that if you timed it just right and you jumped off the swing, you could feel like you're flying and it was a ton of fun. But I remember just trying to get as high as I could. But the interesting thing about a swing is that there are two extremes. There's the forward extreme, and then there's the backward extreme. The key to getting the perfect swing is to find the pinnacle of each extreme. You usually knew that you were at the extreme or just over it when the chain just started to get a little slack as you got to that top part. The chain would slack, and if, if you got too high, you would actually slam down a little bit. And I remember the first time that ever happened, it scared me. I thought the swing was going to break. But uh, it, you no longer have a smooth um, swinging experience when that happens. The, the key is to get it in perfect time and the perfect pinnacle of that extreme. It became kind of a fun thing to try and get it just to where you could swing perfectly. I think a lot of times in our lives, we can establish that we might be on a swing sometimes. Sometimes in our lives, we go from one extreme to the other. We are constantly overcompensating for the circumstances around us. Peter was one such individual who seems to always swing from one extreme to the other. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know Peter could be that type of person. In John chapter 21, just to give you a little background of where we're getting, Peter was an outspoken, brash fisherman. And Jesus had called him to become not just a fisherman, but a fisher of men. Peter had followed Jesus for three and a half years. Peter had watched Jesus do some amazing things. He watched him heal a blind man, watched him heal deaf people. He even watched him raise Lazarus from the dead. Peter had watched the crowds cry, Hosanna, Hosanna to Jesus, and and put the palm branches down and lay those in front of his feet. These are all things Peter watched. I'm sure there was almost an electric feeling when he was around Jesus, a feeling of Jesus can do anything, and really Jesus could. Jesus could do whatever he uh, desired to do, and he was healing people, and and people were uh, becoming changed people. But things became just a little different, and we looked at that a week ago. Easter Sunday, things became a little bit different. The crowd was no longer crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were crying, crucify him, crucify him. Peter, who was so bold for Christ, in fact, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tried to protect Jesus. He ended up cutting off the high priest's servant's ear, Jesus being, or excuse me, Peter being bold, That same Peter, swinging the pendulum the other way, is now denying Jesus. He finds himself denying Jesus not once, not even twice, but three times. And the Bible records that 
after these three times, Peter went out and wept bitterly. His pendulum is continuing to swing from one extreme to the other. At this point in Peter's life, his world is turned upside down. What had been such a good thing for him, Jesus coming into his life, is now becoming one of the scariest times of his life. Now Jesus is crucified. But we know, we spent some time looking last week, that three days after Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead. He is our Savior. And Peter was one of the first disciples at the scene. One of the first disciples to run into the tomb and discover that Jesus had been risen from the dead. Jesus eventually shows himself to his disciples. The first time, Thomas was not there. And so he uh, doubt, we call him Doubting Thomas because he didn't believe the disciples. The second time, Thomas is there. So Peter has seen Jesus two times after his resurrection. But Jesus has not been seen in a little while, and this is where we pick up our story here in John chapter 21. If you'll read with me, verse 1, the Bible says this, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or if you will, the Sea of Galilee. And on this wise showed he himself. So this is how he did it. Verse 2, There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. I want you to see, first of all, a retreat to comfort. A retreat to comfort. You see, Peter is kind of in this um, area of his life where he just doesn't know what to do. He just doesn't understand what it is that God wants him to do. I mean, everything that Jesus had taught him for the last three and a half years is now seemingly insignificant. It seems as if, I mean, Jesus is gone. He hasn't been here in a little bit, and we don't even know what to do anymore. So Peter isn't sure what to do, but Peter is not one to sit around and do nothing. He's a go-get-em kind of a guy, and so he decides, I'm going fishing. I'm going to do what comes natural to me. Again, Jesus had called him from being a fisherman. That's what he knew. That's what he understood. This was his comfort zone, if you will. This is where he was comfortable. Jesus had called him out of that comfort zone. Jesus had called him into something that, that God wanted him to do. And now Peter is reversing that and going back to what was comfortable. But I want you to notice something with me in this passage. Was fishing what Jesus had called Peter to do? In a way, yes, but not fishing for fish. He, he was called to fish for men. Is fishing the destiny that Jesus had for Peter? The answer to that is no. Now, I also think it pertinent to point out this, that Peter was also not denying Christ at this time. He was not turning his back on Christ and saying, no, I'm not serving him anymore. He just didn't know what to do. He wasn't necessarily running from Jesus. He was just not fulfilling what Jesus had intended for his life. If you're in the habit of writing things down, would you write this down this morning? In times of uncertainty, we retreat to our comfort zone. In times of uncertainty, we retreat to our comfort zone. 
I want you to know that this is natural. This is all something that we all do. We all have a tendency to do that. But I do want you to understand that. This is that though we might want to be in our comfort zone, that is not necessarily where Jesus has called us to be. That is not necessarily the approach God wants us to have. You see, because in times of uncertainty, we usually swing the pendulum to the comfort zone. And in other times when we feel, uh, and we'll look at this in just a second, we swing the pendulum the other way. But so often we get the, the out of balance approach here and we run to our comfort zone. We forget about the fact that our relationship with, with God, when we were solid, he has stabilized us. We forget about those things. We forget that Jesus is a stabilizing factor in our lives. We forget that we don't have to swing to one extreme or the other. Again, I don't want to say that you're turning your back on God. I don't want to say that when we uh, run to our comfort zone that we're completely shutting God out and we'll never have anything to do with him. That's not necessarily the truth. But what we do is we just return to what is natural. If you will, we return to our default settings. All the time forgetting that Jesus has changed a bunch of settings in our lives already to make us closer to what he wants us to be. But I want you to notice how fickle the human race is. Look at verse 4. The Bible says this, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Watch this in verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. I want you to see the pendulum swing now the other way. It's swaying to a retreat to comfort, but now it's going to swing to a return to Christ. You see this, and you can look all the way through here. Uh, Peter swims to land, and the other disciples come, dragging the net with them. And Jesus brings the fish and says, come and dine. And he prepares for them some bread and fish. It's almost as if to say, Peter says, uh-oh, Jesus is back. I, I better come back to him. I better go serve him again. You see, we, we see Peter get dressed, jump in the water, and swim to shore to be with Jesus. I, I believe many people would classify this as a revival. Hey, G Peter came back to Jesus. Uh, he's getting his life right, and that's wonderful. I don't necessarily see it that way. I believe that anyone who knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior desperately wants to be with Jesus. Anybody that understands that he is our Father wants to spend time with him. You see, people that have Jesus in their life, they love his presence. They love him and they, they glean so much strength. And they glean so much encouragement from him. Maybe you find yourself in that situation. You find yourself as a child of God and you understand that he gives you the strength. He gives you grace and you can feel him near to you and you understand that and you glean that strength from him. Listen, that's a wonderful thing. 
That's a great thing. And I believe that anytime anyone returns to Christ, it is something to be celebrated. We've had people in our church and in my life specifically that have gone away from Christ and come back. Listen, that is something to be celebrated. And you might be at that stage right now in your life where everything kind of seems to be going awry and you may have retreated to your comfort zone for a little bit, but you realize the need for Jesus in your life right now. Listen, I want to commend you for that. Christ is worth having in your life. But again, I want to show you how fickle we are. I think if we're all being honest, we have gotten close to God and gone away from him. We've gotten close to God, and then we've gone away from him. And we've gotten close to God, and we've gone away from him. If we're all honest, listen, I've been saved since I was four years old. I know that's young, but I understood at a very young age that I needed Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I remember that day. I can picture it in my mind. But I can guarantee you, since that day, 27 years later, there have been times when I have followed Jesus Christ to my very fullest, and there have been times where I have not. There have been times where I did my own thing. There have been times where I uh, gave up everything to follow Christ, and there have been times where I did what I wanted to do. You see, there's this ebb and flow constantly in our lives, and it's as if we're on a swing. And we enjoy the times when we're near Christ and we are comforted sometimes in those times when we retreat to our comfort zone, but we can never seem to find that sweet spot. The ebb and flow is usually dependent upon our circumstances. Again, if I'm being honest with you, the times that I'm near to Christ are the times when I'm struggling with something. When I'm trying to battle through a spiritual battle, when everything seems to be going well in my life, when my marriage is wonderful and my kids are happy and everything's just running wonderfully, I'm in my natural comfort zone. But the times when I struggle is when I get close to Christ, and so it's dependent upon my circumstances. The wonderful thing about this is the story doesn't end here. I want you to continue with me, if you will. Jump down to verse 15. The Bible says this. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. We've seen the pendulum swing from a retreat to comfort We've swing it, seen it swing to the other side, a return to Christ. But Jesus begins a revealing challenge. A revealing challenge. I believe Jesus recognizes the inconsistency in Peter's life. And I believe Jesus wastes no time in cutting right to the heart of the issue. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than 
than these. Now, I hope you understand the Bible is not clear what these means. We don't, under, we don't know. Peter, do you love me more than these? What, what are those these? Is it the fish? It's entirely possible. Is it the boats that were there? Yes, that's entirely possible. What about the other disciples? Yes, all of those things are entirely possible. I believe the Bible remains vague in this area for a specific reason. I believe the Bible leaves it vague for this reason. Peter, do you love me more than anything? Peter, do you love me more than anything? You see, the issue was not an issue of the head. The issue was an issue of the heart. It was as if Peter was serving God when it made sense to him. Listen, Peter said, Jesus, you're here. I'm going to spend time with you. You called me. I've seen you do some amazing thing. That makes sense to me. And then Jesus is gone and the pendulum swings the other way. And I don't know what to do anymore. So I'm just going to go back to my natural causes and the natural things that I have done. When Jesus was present, though, he followed him again. And then when Jesus leaves, he goes back to fishing. So it's as if Peter was serving God, if you will, with his head. Serving him with his head. But Jesus had to drill down further. He had to get down there a little further and reveal the heart. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, the Bible says this, Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. You see, everything comes from the heart. You can think with your head, but your heart is what tells you what to do. This is why Jesus was asking, Peter, do you love me? He was drilling down to the heart. Do you love me? Do you love me? Let me ask you this question. What would your answer be? If God asked you, do you love me? What would your answer be? When Jesus says, lovest thou me more than these? If you answer that honestly, what would your answer be? Well, let's spin this around just for a second. What if we ask God, God, lovest thou me more than these? What if we switched it around and said, God, hey, you're the example. Do you love me more than these? Well, here's the fact of the matter. John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The fact of the matter is this. Yes, God loves us more than his son. He was willing to give up his son for us. It was him. God does love us more than these. God does love us more than his other creation. God does love us more than animals or plants or anything else. God loves us so much that he gave up his only begotten son. God wants a relationship with you so badly that he was willing to make his son pay for our sin. God so desperately wants a relationship with us, with you specifically. But our relationship with him is sometimes so easily disrupted. It comes and goes, circumstances come and they change and our pendulum swings the other way. 
This is why I believe Jesus asked Peter three times, Lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me? And Peter had still continues to give him the same answer. Yea, Lord, I love you. Yea, Lord, I love you. And I believe still to this day that Peter still at this point in the story had not gotten the message. Had still not gotten the fact, yet, yes, I love you, Lord, not with my head. You know all things. You know that I love you. We need to drill down a little further. Let's go to John chapter 21. You see here in verse 20. The Bible says this in verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and saith, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So again, Peter starts looking around. Hey, hey, what about this guy back here? What's going to happen to him? Peter, it doesn't matter what happens to anyone else. Follow me. If I want him to tarry until I return, what is that to thee? Just follow me. Peter, It doesn't matter what anyone else does. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. It doesn't matter what comes or what goes. Simply this, follow me. Follow me. You see, there will be times in your life when it feels like God is not near. There will be times in your life when you feel like God is right next to you. I hope you've learned this by now, but love is not based upon a feeling. Love is not based upon a feeling. Love is based on a choice. Not even a head choice, but a heart choice. Do you love God more than these? And you can fill in the blank. Do you love God more than these? Do you love him? Let me ask you a third time. Do you love him? If you do, prove it. If you do, prove it. How do you prove that you love someone? You prove it by following them. And in this case, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's what God had called Peter to do. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, follow me. No matter what comes, no matter what goes. Maybe you have neglected your relationship with God. Oh, I'm not trying to say you've turned your back on him completely, but maybe you've just neglected it. You've retreated to your comfort zone. Will you return to Christ today? Will you return to Christ today and will you love him with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Because Jesus said that this is the first and great commandment, that thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You might say this, I've never had a relationship with God. Do you know this? You can have one today. You can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He's already given you 
everything that you need. He's already paid the price for your sin. His love is already far-reaching. Will you just reach out to him today? Call upon him, as the Bible says, and he will hear you. Ask God to reveal himself to you. He desperately wants to have a relationship with you, not a swinging relationship. He wants a stable relationship. We've talked over the last couple weeks of Matthew chapter 11. Jesus has come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You swing hard, you're pushing hard to get to one side or the other, swinging. He says, and I will give you rest. Just come and I will give you rest. Will you reach out to Christ today? Will you restore that broken relationship? Will you call upon him and accept him into your heart? I hope you will. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this opportunity that you've given us to hear your word. Father, I pray that we would apply it. There's so many times, Father, I know in my life where I've swung from one side to the other and the pinnacle reached to each extreme. But Father, I pray that today, Father, I would love you with my whole heart my whole mind and my whole strength. And Father, that with that love, out of that love, would flow a service to you and a, and a continually following no matter what comes. No matter if persecution comes. No matter if a virus comes. No matter if our families deny us. No matter what it would be. Father, I pray that you would help us all to follow you. Father, if there's somebody there that does not know you as personal Savior, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. 